This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. And Shabbat is, why am I talking about Shabbat? Because Shabbat is mentioned right at the beginning of this week's parasha in Vayakel. And it's just a little bit, a little glimpse of uh, mitzvah over here. There's not much talked about in the beginning of the parasha. It says, The seventh day will be holy. The seventh day will be holy. Six days you will do your work. And the seventh day will be holy. Shabbat Shabbaton Hashem. It will be a Sabbath of Sabbaths to Hashem. So Shabbat is called the Shabbat Shabbaton. It's a Shabbat of Shabbats to Hashem. A Shabbaton, a Sabbath of Sabbaths to Hashem. And uh, it, then it tells us one, one particular mitzvah is singled out. Don't light fires. Don't kindle fires in all your houses on Shabbat. And that's the reason why we're not allowed to drive cars, not allowed to switch on and off the lights. We're not allowed to light fires in our houses, which uh, modern applications apply as well. So, okay, so I want to talk today about the ideas behind Shabbat, the blessings we get from keeping Shabbat. And this is such a powerful idea, some really powerful ideas. So hold on to your seats. It's such really powerful. We have to really think ahead. And some of these ideas are from Rabbi Sachs. Amazing ideas he pulls out. But they're staring us in the face. We don't think about it enough. So a lot of these ideas are staring us in the face. We don't think about it. But it's interesting because this idea of Shabbat is mentioned right at the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of the Chumash. In Parashat Bereshit, where it talks about Hashem created the world in six days. And he rested on the seventh day. Hashem rested on the seventh day. Now, what does that mean? What do you mean? God doesn't need to rest. God is all-powerful. God is invisible. God is everywhere. He doesn't need to rest. And the answer is he refrained from creating. When it means God rested, it means he refrained from creating. So Hashem is teaching us a very, very powerful lesson. This is one of the most powerful lessons. Just take this away with you. Talk about it over the dinner table. The most powerful lesson Hashem is teaching us, one of the powerful lessons is there's a time to work and there's a time to stop working. Six days later on, the Torah tells us you will work. Make sure your work is done. And the seventh day, you will rest. There's a time to work. There's a time to create because we know work. The Jewish concept of work is creation. Hashem created and he stopped creating. I was at a fantastic talk in our shul in uh, Highland Park in New Jersey. Once uh, Rabbi Jacobowitz, who is the former chief rabbi, Lava Shalom, prior to Rabbi Sachs, Rabbi Jacobowitz, Emmanuel Jacobowitz, he was one of the great uh, rabbis who talked, the first one to talk about medical ethics. And he, over there, he's giving a talk about cloning. That was his title. His title was Cloning. And he's going off tangent all about this and that. I'm looking to the, at the guy next to me. I'm saying, wow, this, this rabbi is off target completely. And he started talking about Shabbat. And I just want to tell you what he said. What has Shabbat got to do with cloning? Exactly what I mentioned before. Hashem created, and then he stopped creating. Hashem is telling us sometimes you have to create, and sometimes you have to stop creating. In other words, there's a boundary which you should stop creating, not how to create beyond this boundary. It's interesting. Hashem stopped creating. Six days he created, whatever that means. And on the seventh day he rested, he stopped creating. He's teaching us a lesson in modern science. There's a boundary over which we should not cross. 
Cloning is one of the boundaries we should not cross. And that is, there's time to create, but there's also time to stop creating. In fact, one of the names of God, the Midrash says, Shindalad Yud, which is written on the mezuzah, on the outside of the mezuzah, Shaddai, which is, Dai. Hashem says, he says to his world, stop, stop creating. This is it. Creation is enough. From, from that time on, nothing can be created from, something cannot be created from nothing. The only time something was created from nothing was the time of creation. After creation, Hashem stopped creating something from nothing. Today we have a conservation of energy, conservation of momentum. You cannot create something from nothing. You can only create something from something else. But Hashem is telling us, this is, a, this is the lesson for us. One of the lessons for us is, there's a time to stop creating. There's a time to step, set, uh, step back, step back and stop creating because too much creation is also not good. That's what God is telling us. Too much over-creation is also not good. There's a boundary over which we must not cross. Obviously, it's an ethical boundary in the case of cloning. And that's what God is teaching us. One of the lessons, powerful lesson. There's a time to create and a time not to create. There's a time to stop creation. There's a boundary through which we should not cross the ethical boundaries, the moral boundaries of creating uh, monsters, uh, you know, the Frankenstein idea. And this could be, you know, one of the boundaries we're getting to. Cloning is definitely one of the issues that, modern issues that science, the ethical, ethical scientists have uh, battled with. And this is one of the brilliant ideas Robert Joko has pointed out. When we learn from Shabbat, God stopped creating. And not only did God stop creating, we celebrate the Sabbath day, the Shabbat, which is a day of no creation. We don't celebrate creation. It's interesting. We're not, there's no day celebrating creation. Okay, there's Rosh Hashanah, where we say God created Adam. But we don't really celebrate it. It's a time for uh, thinking about what we're doing. It's a time for giving accounts to God. Rosh Hashanah, which is the day Adam was created, is not a day of celebration. In fact, there's no Hallel. We don't say Hallel on Rosh Hashanah. We're not celebrating. It's interesting. What do we celebrate? We celebrate every Shabbat where God stopped creating. We're celebrating the lack of creation. Wow, this is very powerful. There's a time to create, but sometimes not creating is even more powerful. And we see this today's society, the mass, uh, the weapons of mass destruction. It would have been better not to have been created. And maybe sometimes it's better to stop creation. That's what we celebrate. So we're celebrating Shabbat, this idea that God stopped creating, and it's a lesson for us. There's a boundary we should not cross. It's interesting. The Chavetz Chaim, apparently one of his one of his descendants was not so religious. Granddaughter, I'm not sure. I didn't hear the story properly. One of his relatives, and they came to the Chavetz Chaim. It was around the First World War, just for the First World War, and they they are so excited. You know, the first flying machine, Wilbur and Wright, or there were other people also before that in Europe. There were flying machines discovered and they were flying around. And they, this girl told the Chavitz Chaim, Dad, a grandpa, whatever it was, a relative. And, he said, and she said, you know, they discovered these flying machines. And then he told her, yeah, I know, my darling, I know, my dear. They're going to use these machines to kill other people. So technology as a double-edged sword. There's a time to create the time. Not to create, it's time to stop creation. It's a double-edged sword. And that is one of the lessons of Shabbat. But there's other lessons as well. One of the most powerful lessons, this is Rabbi Sachs, amazingly powerful. 
idea. He says, Shabbat is a utopian revolution. Understand, what does that mean? A utopian revolution, like a messianic type of revolution. One day a week is a messianic type of revolution. So let me explain. It's a religious institution. Number one, a memorial to creation, as we talked about. Remember that God created. God is our creator. The day on which Hashem rested, as we talked about. God created and God rested. Shabbat is the day we remember six days of creation. But we're celebrating resting. We're celebrating that God rested. But it's also an essentially a political institution. Now, this is something we miss. We can't see the forest for the trees. Shabbat is a political institution. What does that mean? Shabbat is political. It's totally apolitical. What does that mean? Shabbat is the greatest tutorial in liberty ever devised. This is an amazing concept. Shabbat, let's repeat this. You're going to say it a few times because we've got to internalize this. Shabbat is the greatest tutorial in liberty and equality ever devised. It's the greatest tutorial of liberty and equality ever devised. Shabbat is a tutorial of liberty and equality. Let's talk about that. Passover, Pesach, we're coming to Pesach. I said, I'm going to talk about Pesach today. I'm going to throw it in. So Pesach is also part of our talk. Pesach tells us how Hashem, God, took us out of Egypt. How the Israelites got their freedom. Shabbat tells us how they kept that freedom, how they remember that freedom. How do you remember you're free? Because every seventh day, you're not working. Every seventh day, we are not slaves to anyone. Every seventh day, we are not employed by anyone. No one can tell us what to do. Every seventh day, we are free. How do we remember the freedom from Egypt? And again, that's mentioned in the in the, in the fifth, in the fourth commandment, we talked about Shabbat in uh, the, the book of De- Deuteronomy in Parshat Bait Hanan, in Devarim in Bait Hanan. Shabbat tells us how they kept it. One day in seven, Jews create, listen to this, a utopian messianic society. What does that mean? A utopian messianic society once a week. There's a day in which everyone, master and slave, employer and employee, even animals. It's amazing. Even the Jews' animals experience unconditional freedom. We're free. One day a week, we're free. We have no obligations to anyone. We have no obligations to other human beings. We neither work nor get others to work. We neither manipulate nor let others manipulate us. We may neither buy nor be bought. It is a day on which all hierarchies of power, a day on which all hierarchies of power are suspended. Shabbat is a day we can't bust out your employees. It's It's a day you can't boss around your slaves in those days. It's a day you can't boss around your animals. It's a day you can't boss around your children and tell them to do work for you, which is not allowed. It's a day where all hierarchies of power stop. Amazing. The most compelling impact of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, of coming out of Egypt, was this enactment. Every Shabbat, we remember the coming out of Egypt. We are not 
slaves, we are free. This enactment of freedom in time, Shabbat is freedom in time. The thresh, you know, there's three kinds of festivals that are, are freedom in time. So one of them is Shabbat. Every seven days, freedom in time. We are not employees, we are not slaves. We have to rest, we're not allowed to work. Imagine the state tells his master, sorry, master, it's a Sabbath, Shabbat, I'm not allowed to work today. Whatever you say, I'm not working. And the, and the uh, employee tells the employer, sorry, I have to leave. It's the Sabbath. I got to leave Friday before sundown. I got to be home before sundown on Friday. And the Saturday, I can't work till after the Sabbath is over, which is dark. The three stars come out. That's when I can work, after three stars. So it's interesting, the freedom in time. This, it's a threefold sabbatical structure. Of seven days, every seven days, Shabbat. The seventh year, the sabbatical year, we're not allowed to work the ground. We're not allowed to till the soil of Israel. The land of Israel is holy. The land has to rest. We're going to talk about why. And the seventh of the seventh year cycle, the 50th year. The 49th year is sabbat, sabbat, sabbatical year, Shemitah. And the 50th year is a jubilee year, the Yovel, which doesn't apply today because the temple is not around and most Jews are not in Israel, not yet. The year that marked the completion of the seven cycles of seven. So the Sabbath, we have to understand, Shabbat was an unprecedented. Uh, unpre- <laughs> Shabbat never existed before. Shabbat was a new innovation. Shabbat was a new innovation given to the Jews when they left Egypt. Shabbat was a completely new innovation. It was given to the Jews when they left Egypt. It meant that one day in seven, all hierarchies of wealth and power were suspended. No one could be forced to work, not employees, not slaves domesticated animals in the seventh year. Now, what about the seventh year, the sabbatical year? Debts were remitted. The slaves were sent free. In the jubilee year on Yom Kippur, they would blow the shofar. We don't blow the shofar today on Yom Kippur. We blow the shofar at the end of Yom Kippur. But this shofar blowing was blown on Yom Kippur. In the jubilee, when the shofar was sounded, and this is the words on the Liberty Bell in, in Philadelphia. I've been there, seen the Liberty Bell, and it was donated by a Jew, uh, I think it was Ryan Levy, he was a sailor in the American, American Navy, and he, the, and he put the words from the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, verse 10. Have a look at this. Vayikra, Cafe Yud. Liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. The bell is proclaiming liberty, but in, in, the, in the Torah law, it's the shofar of Yom Kippur that proclaimed liberty through the land. All ancestral lands, you could only lease it for 50 years. They would all go back to the original owners after 50 years. It was a land lease system. Judaism invented this land lease system, which the land went back to the ancestral owners who got the, who got the land directly from Joshua when he divided up the land of Israel. The logic of these laws are very simple. Hashem says, for the Israelites belong to me as my servants. They are my servants that I brought out from Egypt. This is in Parshat Emor, which we're going to talk about a bit more. This is in the book of Vayikra, Leviticus. 
Those who are servants to Hashem cannot be slaves to human beings. The Bible tells us to rest because of the exodus from Egypt and liberation from slavery. It is a time of freedom. And the greatest freedom is the freedom to be masters of our own time. We're going to repeat that. The greatest freedom is to be masters of our own time. Greatest freedom is to be masters of our own time. On Shabbat, we may not work, meaning that one day in seven, we are no one's servants except for God's, nor we need force to anyone else to work for us. Even our servants should be able to rest the way we do. Tyrannies make people slaves by making them forget the taste of freedom. Pharaoh just made the Jews work nonstop. All the labor camps work nonstop. There's no Sabbath in the labor camp. There's no Shabbat. There's no day off. And that's how tyrannies make people forget this idea of freedom. But no one who observes Shabbat can ever forget what it's like to be free. Because Shabbat is a day of freedom, reminds us of freedom. That's why I said it's a political statement. It's a political innovation. One day a week we are free. This way we know what freedom is. And this way we can never forget, even though the tyrannies want us to forget, we'll never forget freedom. Jews know more than most what it is to have spent long centuries in homelessness and persecution. Yet every week for a day, however poor we were, we gathered our possessions and celebrated like royalty. That is amazing that even in the the worst places, that every week the Jews celebrated freedom. Every Shabbat was a day of freedom. However poor they were, they gathered their possessions and celebrated like royalty around the Shabbat table. The Shabbat is our political education to remember what freedom is. It's a reminder of liberty. This is a powerful message. Shabbat is a reminder of liberty. Okay, so we have two ideas, two really powerful ideas. Shabbat is a reminder that there's a point on which a person's got to stop creating. Hashem, stop creating. We celebrating, stop creating. Stop the creation, Hashem says. And we have to know the boundaries. Where is a good time to stop? It's not just where we, we want to make, we want to do, we want to do, we want to do, carry on, continue. Stop. You know, when I was in Vancouver, I knew a guy. He was, uh, he was a pharmacist. Pharmacist, pharmacist worked seven days a week, 24-7. Well, nearly, tw- probably 18-7. And he was open as much as long as he could, trying to make money. And uh, how do I know about this pharmacist? Because I did the breach for his grandson. And by that time, he was gone. He had a heart attack at an early age. He left his wife with one daughter and grandson. So I did that breach. That's how I knew about this pharmacist. So Hashem is telling us a very powerful message. It's a time to work, time to create. There's a day of the week we're going to stop and remember Remember what creation is for. What is the purpose of creation? We have to talk about that. Another, another message of Shabbat. So number one is there's a time to stop. Number two is it's a political message to remember freedom. Shabbat is a time we remember we were slaves in Egypt. Hashem took us out of slavery. We are free. We know what freedom is. And we know who our true master is. God is our true master. Hashem is our true master. Okay, those are two very important these are mind-blowing ideas. Two mind-blowing ideas of Shabbat people don't even think about. Number three, this is very important as well. 
but this is something that most people know. This is something that I'm just reminding people what, what Shabbat stands for. Shabbat reinforces community and family. Today, we need Shabbat more than ever when families are breaking apart and children are going off the way, the tried and trusted path. What is going to bring people back? What is a cohesive, makes the family a cohesive unit? One of the biggest tools we have in our toolbox is Shabbat. Shabbat is one of the biggest tools in our toolbox to keep family cohesion, something which we need desperately today. Family cohesion, when divorce rates are so high and children are just running around doing whatever they want and breaking away from their families, we need Shabbat today more than ever before. This is one of the secret tools in our toolbox that Judaism gives us, that Hashem gave us with his wisdom, this idea of getting together on Shabbat as a community, as families, as individuals. Let's talk about that. The Shabbat sustains every one of Judaism's greatest institutions. In the synagogue, we re-engage with the community, praying their prayers, celebrating their joys, defining ourselves as part of the we rather than the I. Very important. We're part of a community. We have to be think of ourselves not just as individuals, but just we are part of Am Yisrael. And when do we feel that? We feel that when we go to the synagogues on Shabbat. And we have, we pray together and we celebrate together. We have kiddush together. We eat food together. That's we instead of I. Hearing and studying the Torah portion of the week. You can't underestimate it. Don't underestimate it. It's so important to be in touch with one's roots. The Torah portion of the week keeps us anchored in our Judaism, anchored in our roots. We travel back to join our ancestors in the Sinai Desert, in the Mount Sinai. When we read the Torah every week, we are traveling back in time to celebrate with our ancestors at Mount Sinai. God spoke and gave us his written text, his marriage contract with the Jewish people. When we come home from the synagogues, we spend time Holy time, undisturbed time with family, spouses, and children, and know that our marriage is sheltered, which I was talking about last week. If you haven't listened to last week's class, you listen to last week's class. We are sheltered in Hashem's tabernacle of peace. The Jewish home should be God's tabernacle of peace. We are building a Mishkan in our homes. There's Radashem. Rabbi Sachs says he wants to a British leading child care expert, obviously not Jewish, to a Jewish school on a Friday. And there she saw young children, which they do, <laughs> and my grandchildren come home, you know, they wear a crown, Shabbat Abba, Shabbat Ima, you know, they do. She saw young children celebrate, rehearsing the Shabbat table. You can't keep Shabbat on Friday, but they're rehearsing the Shabbat table. Five-year-old parents blessing five-year-old children and welcoming five-year-old guests. She was enthralled. She asked the children what they liked most about Shabbat. And guess what they said? It's the time where mom and dad don't have to rush off. It's the only time of the week, basically, that families spend together. Today's world. She said to me, otherwise, you're giving those children the greatest gift you're giving them the gift, the gift of tradition and is also saving the parents' marriage and family bonds. So today, to this very day, Judaism is a religion of family. Marriage 
is one of the most vulnerable of human institutions today, 50%. Divorce rate, I don't know how long ago those statistics are. Judaism protects marriage by a host of laws, rituals, and customs to do with modesty, the separation of the sexes, and the laws of family purity. The home is the center of many of Judaism's most sacred institutions, the Shabbat, the festivals, the dietary laws, and the education and conversation between the generations. Again, that's a Pesach idea, this idea of Haggadah, of speech, of the giving and taking between the generations. We're going to talk about Bezrashem next week. There is something exceptionally gracious about Jewish family life at its best. On Friday evenings, as the candles are lit and the blessings are made over the wine and bread, as the family sings its songs of praise to the mother and parents bless their children, you can almost touch the divine presence. I was so lucky last week because my daughter and her husband and a little baby came. He's not a baby anymore. He's one and a half years old. <laughs> and he came. And he was telling us how kiddush should be run. He's telling us pour a cup of wine. He just pointed. He couldn't talk. He can't talk uh, properly yet. But he's telling point the wine, challah, and this and that. He tells you sit down over here, and then he goes like this: "Give me a blessing. Give me a blessing. Beautiful, just to see a little kid, one and a half years old, and he's so trained in Shabbat. He loves Shabbat. He lives for Shabbat. He comes to the house, he grabs the Kiddush cup, he wants the Kiddush cup, he loves Shabbat. Why? Because he knows the only time really he'll spend quality time with his parents is Shabbat. The only quality we have as, as parents and children today is Shabbat, unfortunately. And even that, if we don't keep Shabbat, we're not going to have quality time on Shabbat. Spending time in the mall on Shabbat is not quality family time. We need to get together on Friday nights, as the candles are lit, the blessings are made over wine and bread. As the family sings its songs of praise to the mother and parents bless their children, you can almost touch the divine presence. And there is something very moving about that. The divine presence is here in ordinary families, in ordinary homes, rather than in the palace and cathedrals of the many. Here, if anywhere you witness the Jewish truth that Hashem God lives in the unadorned heart of the human situation, in the covenantal love between husband and wife, on which the republic of faith is built. This is so powerful, this idea. number. This is idea number three, that it helps the family cohesion. It helps to pass, number four, our precious traditions down to our children and keeps Judaism alive. And number five, creating this Mishka, the sanctuary, the holy sanctuary in our own homes where God resides and we feel it on a Friday night. We feel it on Shabbat. We feel it during the whole Shabbat. Okay. The, the, the landscape of Shabbat is vast. Creation. We remember creation. And on Shabbat, we are meant to remember our purpose in creation. And yet, for most Jews, the mode of the day is intimate. It is a time in which we celebrate family and children, the home, just being together. Relationships take time. And Shabbat is when we give them time to listen to one another, praise each other, hopefully, 
share in a meal, sing together, and sense the blessedness of one another's company. Shabbat is more than family time. It is also collective time. Even those who have been too busy to go to the synagogue during the week do so on Shabbat. Joining others in prayer, listening to them to the weekly Torah reading and hopefully to Shirim, to the classes and the synagogue. If the synagogue is the center of community space, Shabbat is the center of community time, not just family time, but community time. Shabbat is not just private time, but it's a shared time. It's shared for sharing and not owning. It's for sharing. Now we come to another point, which is a very modern point. This is something which we talk about today and people don't realize it's related to Shabbat. The environment. Shabbat is an environmental ethic as well. This is something brilliant that Torah, God tells us right at the beginning. He says, I created man and I put man in, in this world. To work the garden and to guard the garden. We're allowed to work the garden, which means we're allowed to use natural resources. But we also have to guard the garden to use the resources without destroying our world, which is so critical today and something we just talked about all the time. People don't realize the Bible emphasizes this. Where does it emphasize this? When it talks about Shabbat. This is particularly true of the three great commands ordaining periodic rest. The Shabbat, the Shabbatical year, there's the Shemitah, we said, and the Jubilee year. These three Shabbats, we have three Shabbats. We have the Shabbat every seven days. We have a Shabbat every seven years. We have a Shabbat every 50 years. On the Shabbat, which is the seventh day of the week, all agricultural work is forbidden. So the Torah says that your ox and your donkey should rest. Translate that as your tractors should rest. Well, that's a big debate. But work should not be done by it. Plowing is not allowed to be done. All these, we're going to talk about the 39 forms of work, which form the basis of our Shabbat laws. It is a day that sets limits to our intervention in nature. People don't realize this is a very important point. Shabbat sets a date where our intervention in nature is limited. Our intervention in nature is limited. And the pursuit of economic activity is limited. We become conscious of being creations and not creators. We are the creations of God and not the creators that we are every other day of the week. The earth is not ours, but God's, especially on the sabbatical year. For six days, for six days handed over to us. But on the seventh day, we symbolically abdicate the power of work in this world. We may perform no work, which is to say any act that alters the state of something for human purposes. The Shabbat is a weekly reminder of the integrity of nature and the boundaries of human striving. The boundaries. You know, it's interesting. One of the when I see these ants or uh, mosquitoes on a Shabbat, I say, "Boy, you're lucky today, Shabbat. <laughs> Boy, you are so lucky that today, Shabbat. Any other day, I would have swiped that mosquito. Shabbat, the mosquito is free from me. Any other day of the week, I see a weed in the garden, I can pull it out." Shabbat, that weed is protected. All parts of the ecology and the environment are protected on Shabbat. It's a boundary of human striving. The Shabbat reminds us that the universe was created, meaning it, was, it belongs ultimately to God. We are merely its guardians. As we mentioned, Adam was placed in the garden to serve 
and protect it. And so are we. One day in the seven, we must renounce our mastery over nature and animals and see the earth not as something to be manipulated and exploited, but as something of independent dignity and beauty. So nice. You go out on Shabbat and take a walk. Hopefully it's nice weather. If it's nice weather, if it's not nice weather, you'll see the rain coming down. Enjoy nature. Enjoy the integrity of nature. It is a thing of independent dignity and beauty. Nature is also entitled to its rest and protection. Every seven years, every 50 years, nature is entitled to its rest and protection. More powerful than any tutorial or documentary, the Shabbat makes us aware of the limits of human striving. It is a day, if you like, of ecological consciousness. Okay, now we come to another brilliant idea. This is Rabbi Sachs at his best. It's amazing ideas he's pulling out of Shabbat that a person would never think about. Shabbat is also a way of living out another idea. The concept of possession with no ownership. We have possession, but we don't have ownership. Without ownership, it's just the heart of Judaism, social and environmental ethics. Every week for a day, Jews live not as creators, but creations. On Shabbat, the world belongs to God, not us. We renounce our mastery over nature and animals. We see the earth as a thing of independent dignity and integrity. You know, it's amazing. Rabbi Huda Levi, great rabbi, philosopher of the Middle Ages in Spain. He wrote a book called the Kuzari, which is, uh, you should try and get it. It's a very major Jewish philosophical work. It's an imaginary, it's a historical novel, basically. Historical novel, a meeting between the king of the Khazars, hence the title Kuzari, and a rabbi. And the king of Khazars is one of the strange occurrences in history where the kingdom of the Khazars converted en masse to Judaism. The only time in history, probably a whole, well, it's not, second time in history, where a whole kingdom converted to Judaism. And it's based on this conversation, or at least in the novel, historical novel of the conversation. So he tells us what the, the conversation between the rabbi and the king of this kingdom. He was a pagan king who wanted to adopt one of the modern religions, the so-called modern religions, Judaism, the oldest religion of monotheism in the world, 3,400 years old, or Christianity, which is only 2,000 years old, or Islam, which is even less, you know, about 1,400 years ago old. So he wanted to adopt one of these modern monotheistic religions, and he has conversations with all the leaders and he ends up becoming Jewish, him and his kingdom. And here is the book in which he talks about all the discussions between the king and the rabbi who converted him. And one of the discussion, discussions where he talks about Shabbat, this is a beautiful idea of Yudah Levi says, on Shabbat, we become Hashem's guests. On Shabbat, we become Hashem's guests. When you sit in the Shabbat table, think about, you're not, it's not you who owns the table, it's Hashem. Hashem owns everything. Hashem owns the whole world. We don't work. It's not us. We don't interfere with nature. We don't interfere with anything. Everything is done. And we're acknowledging on Shabbat, Hashem is the creative world. And Yudah Levi says we should imagine as if we're sitting at God's table. Wow, what a powerful idea. You're sitting down at your Shabbat table and you're thinking, this is not my table, this is Hashem's table. And in fact, we say this every day in our Brikkat Amazon, we thank God for the food. But on Shabbat, it should, it should stare us in the face, recognize the limits of human striving. The Shabbat is covenantal, covenantal time. 
the working out of Judaism's vision of a society of equal dignity and hope. So Shabbat is a, is a tremendous equalizer. The Torah is Hashem's word. And just as Hashem's word transcends time, and so does Hashem. Hashem transcends time. His word transcends time. It would have been absurd. <laughs> this, this is another important point, especially for our generation. It would be most absurd, for instance, to suppose some human being more than 3,000 years ago could have foreseen smartphones, social media, being online, on call 24-7. Shabbat speaks precisely to that phenomenon. Can you imagine? Shabbat is tailor-made for our generation and to our need for digital detox once a week. We need a digital detox once a week. Hashem speaks to us today in the unsuspected inflections of words he spoke 3,400 centuries ago. It's just as applicable today, more applicable today. Shabbat is a, is a technological detox, detox from our phones and our internet and our computers, which is why the holy times are important to be around the family table on Friday night and Shabbat morning with the candles, the wine, the special bread. These are the high points of the week. It's when Jewish husbands sing the songs of praise to their wives. A woman of strength who can find her worth is above precious diamonds. Parents bless their children. Together we share words of Torah about the biblical portion. We're about to read in the synagogue the next morning. We sing the traditional melodies. And for a day, hopefully, the person's going to really live Shabbat to be experience this. The pressures of the outside world in, disappear. Shabbat is a day in which the pressures of the outside world should disappear. There are no phones, no faxes. There's a fax. <laughs> Getting faxed today is so antiquated. No PDFs. No radio, no TV, no working, no shopping. In ancient times, the Shabbat was a protest against slavery. Today, it's an antidote to stress. The most effective antidote to stress is one day to detox. One day of detox for every six days of stress. Rest sets everything else in perspective. You know, someone told me, you know, many years ago, Rabbi, it so, must be so hard to keep Shabbat. I tell you, you know what? It's so easy. Why? What do you have to do is go to sleep. <laughs> you want to keep Shabbat and keep all the biblical laws? Just go to sleep. That's all it takes. Just go to sleep, boy. And there's no phones, no faxes, no radio, no TV, no internet, no iPhones, no uh, all the modern technologies. Today, it's an antidote to stress. The most effective antidote I know of is Shabbat. Shabbat is the most effective antidote. Rest sets everything in perspective. This is another brilliant idea. Shabbat is a day of rest. Why? To put everything in perspective, to think about why am I working? What is my goal in life? What is my purpose? How are my children doing? How is my spouse doing? How is my family doing? What are we meant to do? How can we, how can we serve our family better? How can we serve our community better? How can we serve our God better? When life becomes an endless succession of pressures, we lose the natural rhythm of work and rest, of running and relaxing, striving and enjoying the fruits of our striving. We move so fast, we miss the view. We travel so often, we forget where we're going. 
At regular intervals, we need to stop, pause, breathe, cease becoming, and just be. Shabbat is a day of just being, not becoming, not growing, not doing anything, being, but just being, we're growing. It makes a difference. People used to say that food tastes better on Shabbat. It's interesting. You know, the beautiful story the Gemara brings of one of the great, great rabbis who invited the Roman Caesar to his house on Shabbat. And the Roman Caesar tasted the food and said, wow, spectacular. Give the recipe to my chef. And they gave the recipe to the chef. And the Caesar says, the chef cannot replicate. You guys are hiding something in your recipe. What is missing in this recipe? And the answer the rabbi gave was, Shabbat is missing from the recipe. <laughs> and Caesar said, okay, give me Shabbat. What is missing? I want that piece of the recipe missing. She says, no, Shabbat is a day, a time. It's a time zone where even food tastes better. <laughs> it's a time zone that even food tastes better. Why? Because it's not just the food. It's what surrounds the food. It's the family around the food. It's the singing around the food. It's the good frame of mind. Less pressure tastes better. It's happiness is tasted in tranquility. It's right there behind us waiting for us to rest so it can catch up to us. Happiness is right there waiting for us to rest to catch up. We have to enjoy our Shabbats. We have to learn to enjoy Shabbats, put aside all the pressures of life. There's a powerful scientific finding that explains why the Shabbat has such a powerful effect on cultures that have adopted Shabbat. The Shabbat is a focused one-day-a-week antidote to the market mindset. It is dedicated to things that have a value but not a price. Let's say that again. Shabbat is dedicated to things that have a value but don't have a price. Because these are things that you cannot buy. Money can't buy you love. Money can't buy you your spouse sitting next to you with your arms around each other. Money can't buy you your children around your table in a good mood, in a good framework. Money can't buy these things. Let me say that line again. It is dedicated to things that have a value, tremendous value, but not a price. These are things that you cannot buy. Shabbat gives us things that we cannot buy, which are priceless. Things that are priceless that you cannot buy. It is supremely non-market day. We can't sell or buy. We cannot work or pay others to work for us. It is a day we celebrate relationships. It's a day we sing praises of, of, to our wives. It's a day parents bless their children. It's a day we take time to have meals together. In our synagogues, we renew our community. Parents share their joys. A new child, a bar, a bat mitzvah, an engagement, a forthcoming wedding with others. The bereaved find comfort for their grief. We study the Torah together, reminding ourselves of the story of which we are a part. We are a part of the story of the Torah. We are part of it. We're creating a new Torah right now. We are writing our own history right now. Jewish history just keeps on going. We pray together. Thanking God for our blessings. Hashem, thank you for our blessings. It takes the utopian future and translates it into now. Where all the human beings in the world will get along. It's a small microcosm. No one's taking advantage of anyone else on Shabbat. It's a day of no pressure. It's a day of no stress. It's a utopia in time. It's making the most effective 
form of work-life balance ever devised. Six days work, seven day rest. It's a day of gratitude. When the restlessness of the week subsides, and we find a refuge in an oasis of time, of rest, of Shabbat. What we need is to create a pause in the endless pursuit of more so that we may celebrate what we have rather than fixate on what we don't have. It's a day of celebrating what we have rather than fixating on what we don't have. It's a paradox. There has to be a command in the Torah. Man, Hashem, God has to command us to rest. You would think human beings would think about it themselves. It's a command in the Torah to rest. One would have thought that the desire for such rest would be natural. It's interesting why the Torah, the Midrash says that God made sleep. Hashem created Adam and made Adam sleep. Why? Because Adam would have just kept on going six days, well, without Shabbat, seven days a week, 24-7. Hashem made man sleep. We need our rest. However, there seems something to be in our nature that seeks to maximize, to continue relentlessly and indefinitely to seek more and yet more. The result is exhaustion, physical, emotional, psychological burnout. Hashem created a kind of balance. Six days of striving, followed by one day of relaxing, enjoying, pausing, and rest. Okay, now we come to one of the major points over here. We now understand why the Torah consists of at least, at least three distinct accounts of Shabbat. The first one I want to talk about is the account in the first version of the Ten Commandments of Pasha Yitro, Exodus. For in six days, Hashem made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested. That is the Shabbat of creation. That's called Shabbat Breshi. The Talmud calls it Shabbat Breshi. It's Shabbat because we remember the story of the genesis of the creation of the world. The account in the second version, which is the Parsha by Hanan, the book of Deuteronomy, the Barim. Remember you were slaves in Egypt and that Hashem, your God, brought you out. It's called the Shabbat of Redemption. That is the Shabbat of Redemption. So we have the Shabbat of creation and we have the Shabbat of redemption. However, in the book of Leviticus, in Parsha Emor, the account spoken in the priestly voice, because that's the book given to the priests, only about holiness and temple and sanctuary, how we run things inside them. Hashem, your Hashem, your God, brought you out. The Parsha Emor, however, speaks in the priestly voice, is the Shabbat of Revelation. In Revelation, Hashem calls to mankind. The law of priests begins with the word Vayikra, call. Hashem called out to Moses. That is also why Shabbat is uniquely here included. It's also why Shabbat is uniquely here, including the days where you proclaim. You will proclaim the days as a sacred convocation of Mikrae Kodesh. So again, to proclaim, to invoke. Shabbat is a day in which the status of rest and the silence of the soul, Hashem is calling out to us. It's a day on which Hashem is calling out to us. That is what we have to make use of Shabbat. We have to get closer to God. It's a day on which it's a kind of meeting place for God and man. Around this Shabbat table, as, a, as Rabbi Uda Levi says, 
We have to sit at the table of God. We have to imagine we're sitting at God's table and Hashem is calling out to us. He's calling out to our souls. Find spirituality. Find me, Hashem says. Find me on this special day of set aside for spiritual beings. Set aside for spiritual connections. Find me on the day where you're enjoying with all your family and your friends. Find me on this day. So let's just recap a little bit of what we talked about. Shabbat is a utopian revolution where we recognize that we're all equal. We can't order anyone around. It's not a tyranny. We're all free. Shabbat reinforces community and family, number two. Number three, Shabbat is an environmental ethic. We don't interfere in nature and the ecology and the environment. Number four, Shabbat is a digital detox. And number five, Shabbat is the power of now. Not thinking about what I can do, what I can do, what I can do. Enjoying the present. Enjoying what we have. Enjoying the present. And number six is a day in which God is calling out to us. And let's realize its spiritual potential. I want to wish you all a Shabbat Shalom from Yerushalayim Yerakode. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.